Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Make Comics Podcast, a show where we talk about the nuts and bolts of making comics. Today is a very special day, Andy, that I, I didn't even share with you ahead of time. Uh, I, for the first time ever, am recording with reading glasses on. I know. Oh, I know. Man. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, I don't own any reading glasses, but if I if I did, I'd, I'd be welcoming you. Uh, it, earnest instead I'm just laughing at you it's it's not a show about reading glasses although it could be uh, so I can finally see very clearly now the monitor in front of me this is comics experience it's the, I think we should do a poll I think we should find out who listens to this show how many of you read comics with reading glasses and how <laughs> many of you uh, read them without it, eye coverings of some kind it turns out that squinting all the time is probably not for the best for reading and seeing at least that's what i've been told by the experts at the the eye place i went to yeah. uh, i i kid but it really has improved my uh reading uh, after my eyes get tired which does include comics and all of a sudden i'm like you know i should read more comics maybe i should write more comics because i can see what I'm reading in a different way, depending on how things are, are printed and uh, written, which is my very clumsy segue into saying, thanks for listening to this episode. And it's going to be about writing solicitation pitching, which is not something that, you know, is, is maybe second nature to folks because you're trying to distill your, your comic, not just down to what's happening in the issue or maybe what the story is. But with you moving into publishing with Comics Experience Publishing, you're working with folks or you're writing solicitation copy that goes to retailers. So in, in yeah, terms of terrible. <laughs> well, in terms of direct market, it seems like it is a different skill than even pitching it to a publisher because now you're not necessarily telling, hey, you're reading this thing and we're gonna write this story and it's gonna be this, this, and this, and this is all gonna happen in the course of five issues or the first issue or the one shot. Now you're trying to sell it to folks in a different way and not telling them everything that happens, but getting them excited to read it, getting them excited to order it. How are you approaching solicitation copy? Well, to be to be fair, because some of our solicitation copy for, uh, is is I think pretty pretty good. So I want to be fair that I do not write all the solicitation copy. I do, however, review it. That's how being the boss works. Um, so uh, no, but we we do approach it uh, fairly specifically. So the first thing that we do is we usually go to the comic book creator. You know, they're going to know their book, you know, better than than us, even though we've read it. Um, but they're going to know like kind of you know, what are the themes, the way they see it, that sort of stuff. So we, we go to them and we give them the parameters, you know, different places have different parameters. So usually, you know, in the industry with the publishers I've been talking to when, when, you know, one of my bosses, you know, if I'm an IDW or Marvel says, I need you to write a solicitation copy that usually that meant for the diamond comics distributors, previews world catalog, mm -hmm. which is just a whole bunch of words strung together. <laughs> but, uh, that's the catalog that goes to all the retailers. And, the tricky thing. So the first thing that you need to do, you know, and then I got at IDW. So I was at Marvel first. Then when I moved over to IDW, I realized, oh, they actually they, you know, they'll come to me and we'll chat about solicitation for, for different venues. So sometimes it's for the website, um, which would be, you know, consumer facing, which means, you know, for the most part, it's your end readers are going to see that, and you may not have uh, as much of a word limitation because it's on a website. Right, so you're not taking up space in a cat in a paper catalog. Right, um, you know, if it is for uh, you know, or it might be through a distributor where 
fans don't see what the distributors say, see. So, like for example, like if uh, you know if they're uh, distributed by like Simon and Schuster or Penguin Random House or whomever for the bookstore market, fans and readers don't see the solicitation copy and all that they go out to like the big bookstore buyers that's mm. all done behind closed doors so that's a again that's a different audience the thing that's really weird about that previews world catalog is that it is for both retailers to order from and for fans to read which i find crazy hmm. um because those should be two separate conversations yeah it's, it's, it really seems like it uh, yes, like I want to be, I want to, you know, I'll write stuff, you know, on the website or stuff that the retailer could give to the, give to the readers to get them engaged and get them interested. And that's all your, you know, tends to be your kind of flashy, pizzazzy stuff. But I'd love to be, you know, to, to just to the retailers be like, guess what? In this issue, you know, um, Aunt May, uh, Aunt May has a heart attack and we don't know if she's going to die or not. I don't want to spoil that for the fans, but I want you to know because you're going to want to order extra. Right. Right. You know, whereas, you know, for the fans, I'll just say huge turning point in Spider-Man's life, you know, things go crazy or whatever, you know, and then you want to get into, so you want to, from my perspective, you know, the more separate you can keep those conversations. And sometimes like I'd love to tell retailers a ton more than I tell fans because that's giving them ammunition to sell, to their customers who, who they will know the best. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, it's one thing to write, you know, solicitation copy that's going to go out and, you know, a couple thousand people are going to read. It's another thing to go, Hey, you, whom I know in my store, because you come in every week and I know what you buy, you're going to want to check this thing out. I know a bit about it. You're going to like it. Right. And like, I'd love retailers to have more of that type of ammunition because I think they are going to know their customers better than better than we are, frankly. Um, so, but that's really the first the first thing is know who you're talking to and and realize that solicitation copy doesn't just mean one avenue. Like you know, we we write it for Gumroad, we write it for Comixology, we write it for Diamond, we write it for Bookstore Market, we write it for our own website, you know, and then we have different products that we sell in different places. So, first thing is know your audience. Second thing is know your book. Um, so, you know, Stud and the Bloodblade, our first book that comes out in sort of mid-August, um, will be on sale in mid-August, is, uh, you know, it's quirky and it's really funny and it's very boisterous and, and like splashy. So the solicitation copy is written with a similar sense of humor and, and sort of things. And, and, uh, Perry Crow, the writer of Stud and the Bloodblade, writes those himself and then we sort of just... You know, we sort of tweak them to make sure they fit the space and mm -hmm. whatever else. Um, so those are really great. And then, you know, but, you know, I wouldn't write that solicitation text for like a film noir detect hard-boiled detective story. That would – that should tonally be a little bit different. You kind of want the tone of your solicitation, I think, to inform the reader just by the tone of it a bit about what the book is. Um you know, obviously you want to include selling points. So like, for example, with Stud uh, or Howling Snow, uh, which is coming out in uh, in September, you know, I emphasize things 
you know, I get the solicitation copy that's great and reads fantastic. I'm like, these issues are double sized. We should probably mention that, mm-hmm, that they're mm-hmm. double sized and they only cost a dollar more. Right? <laughs> these are things worth saying. And that's worth saying both to the retailer and to your audience, because I think there is, you know, there is some value in knowing, hey, okay, it's four ninety nine, but it's four ninety nine because I'm getting twice as much comic book. Right from a 399 comic that doesn't mean you know i don't think we're going to sell more copies because it's double sized for only a dollar more but i think it could you know somebody that's on the fence would be like ah, okay yeah i'm getting twice as much bang for literally for a buck right um so so you know there are things like that that like you know from a like the so those are those are sort of the next step is make sure you understand your 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 actual like sort of the bullet point of what you want people to get out of it. And then from there, it's, you know, each, like I said, each solicitation place has different parameters. Could, you know, the, the biggest one is usually word count or how, you know, how are you going to name your creative team? Is that mm-hmm. broken out separately? Is it, you know, and that's usually sort of dictated by that venue um, of where it's going. And then, yeah, then you're going to write it. You're going to try to write it and, you know, fit those parameters in the tone of the book to the right audience and make sure you're hitting those those bullet points. And so there's there's a way to sort of do it and then also check it. So if you know your audience, you know the parameters, you know the tone, and you have your bullet points, you know, and you you may not have the same bullet points for each audience. So if you're just talking to readers or you're just talking to retailers or whatever, the bullet points might shift or change. Um, but then you should be able to go in and check and be like, yep, this does everything that I want it to do. And, um, and kind of check all the boxes off. And then it's... Then it's good to go because no one wants to work longer on solicitation copy than they have to. Right. Literally no one. <laughs> How uh, much are you pulling or have you pulled from pre-existing documents? In other words, if it's a synopsis of the comic that came into you as a as a publisher or as an editor, hey, this is what we're going to have Spider-Man do. Hey, this is what Stud the Bloodblade is about. Are you able to go in and cannibalize take different drafts of stuff to build out your copy or is there no hard and fast rule that you've experienced yeah sometimes you can do that um there's no hard and fast rule i mean ultimately you don't have much space to capture somebody's attention and that's typically that's true in a submission package that you know that you might submit to a publisher like us so but again like your submission it goes it kind of goes under those same rules. Know your audience. Well, in that case, the audience is the publisher itself, which is different from an end consumer, and that's also not a retailer. Is there some overlap? Do I need to know the same things that a retailer needs to know or that a fan needs to know? Potentially so, probably. Um, but will it, you know, will that then fit the parameters of the solicitation copy, the the word count limits or whatever? So so you find you really what you what we tend to do is is find sort of the you know the essence of the book, the, the couple sentences, the one to three sentences that sort of we think informs whomever mm-hmm. of what the book is. Because you know you don't want to you don't just lie to people. Right. You know, I don't I don't want to say Howling Snow. It's just like Friday the Thirteenth because it's not at all. It's nothing like that. Right. So even though Friday the Thirteenth might be something that's popular, you know you don't want to you don't want to bait and switch people. Right. That's, right. That is bad. Um, so, you know, but so like usually what happens is there there is like a boilerplate that we wind up coming 
coming up with, and then we are adjusting it for for those different venues. But it gives us a starting place, like because you, you the other thing you don't want, you know, if you are in six to twelve different places that have descriptions of the of the book, you don't want them to read super differently, mm-hmm. right? You you want them all to have that tone. You want them all to have you know certain basic on you know information whether it's the high concept or it's you know the big event that happens in that issue that you want to draw attention to or whatever um you don't want to you don't want people to come into your comic in five different places and feel like like they've read five descriptions of five different comics um that would be that would also be bad uh, because then people would be like i don't know what this book is it would just wind up confusing them and right. you know with you know, with something as small as the comics industry, which is part of a giant entertainment industry, but it's still kind of its corner. And especially when you get to people that, you know, whether it's fans or retailers that are seeking out information about books, you know, often they'll bump up against the same book in several different places. They'll see it in a previews catalog. They'll see it, you know, maybe on your website. And, you know, maybe they'll see a, uh, you know, something gets picked up on, you know, a comics news site, right? So you might see it three times before it comes out. And, you want those things to all, you know, maybe you get a little something different or new in each one of them, but, but on the, on the whole, you want to be consistent with your messaging. Yeah. You know, taking another step back in thinking about putting together your comic, you know, as a creative team, as a a writer, uh, or if you're a writer artist, so much, at least, from what we've talked about, what I've talked about with other people, what I've had as my own experience, that kind of wrestling down if you if you don't have that clear pitch, not even necessarily the you know the log line pitch, but it can really help you define what your your comic is about to have to go through those steps of figuring out what you're talking about, you know, as far as whatever the whoever the audience is, being able to distill down your comic. Uh, you know, whatever stage of the process I think is really valuable because that helps you clarify, I think for you too, as, as the creator, you know, what am I putting together? What am I right? Like, what, what is our goal of our comic? What story are we telling? And it can help trim away some fat. It can help give you ideas about what you're, you know, what you can lean into more or seeds you could plant, you know, in issue one to get to four, because I know that this is about this journey or this thing or these goals. Uh, That's not necessarily something that would be reader or retail facing either. But, you know, for me having to, all right, well, what's your comic about? On surface seems kind of simple. Like, oh, I should be able to tell you it's about this guy on a quest to get a thing, you know, and you run into what, you know, the differences between plot and story or, or you know, how, how can you describe that best to get an audience interested and, and whoever that audience is and, you know, the dif- differences between publisher Andy Schmidt and reader Andy Schmidt and Andy Schmidt trying to reach out to retailers or writing it for Gumroad is, you know, there, there's a lot of different hats, but it, to me it, that that distillation can really help you as a creator you know, know what what your thing is you're making. So not necessarily, you know, easy to always trim down your word count, but having a clear idea of big picture stuff can really help yeah. you on those details to get to that next step. Yeah. W- w- one thing that's kind of interesting to do is like go on to Kickstarter because uh, every kick, every comics Kickstarter project has like their opening paragraph blurb about what the project is. And if you read 30 of those, in a row, you're going to come away with the ones that you're interested in, or the ones that communicate what the book is really quickly. Yeah, 
Um, and then, you know, I've had some, I've had some people, uh, can you hear my dog snoring? Cause it's really loud. Where I, I, am. I can't. Should we highlight your dog okay. snoring? Do you want to lean closer? No. Uh, no, I don't want to get that close to him. He's really loud. Um, <laughs> He sounds. He snores like an old man. It's crazy. He's tired. Um, had a big day. <laughs> he has not had a big day. <laughs> uh, he's just lazy. So, um, so yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. You know, sometimes people, you know, they're they're super excited about their projects. I completely get that, but they're not. You know, they don't have that experience of you know selling a project or some you know in some cases putting a story together. And sometimes I'll see somebody's Kickstarter that doesn't get funded, and I'll see them you know online, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. You know, talking about why why didn't this thing get happened? It's so awesome, right? And then I'll you know maybe very quietly to myself like click on the campaign and be like, well, why didn't it happen? And then like usually reading the first paragraph, I realize why it didn't happen. They weren't able to communicate what it is, you know. And usually it's the type of thing where it's like this has everything for everyone ever. Right. And it's like, okay, well, but what does it have for me? Right. Right. You know, and, uh, and those, you know, those types of things happen. I think they, I feel like they happen. I feel like people are learning their lesson on the crowdfunding sites about that. They're getting better. Um, for a long, long time, it was like, you know, skip, 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 skip. Oh, they know what they're doing. I'll back that one then. Right. Like even, (laughs) you know, the fact that you knew what you were doing was enough for me to back it. Now I have to, now there's enough on there that are, that are good that I'm like really you know, going in there and be like, is this for me? Cause I can't back everything I want to back anymore. Sure. Um, but, but you know, that's, that's sort of a good way to do it. You know, or if you get that previews catalog and read through, you know, you'll get an idea of what, what grabs your attention and then dissect it, you know, deconstruct it. Why does it grab my attention? What is it about this? You know, and sometimes it's as simple as I like Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> therefore, totally. therefore my attention is grabbed when I see an image of Spider-Man. Right. And then when you're reading it, what, then you then you're sort of asking yourself, hey, there's four Spider-Man comics in this catalog. Which one appeals to me the most, and then why? And start dissecting it. You know, even if you know it, it can be as simple as that. And that's one of the reasons why indie books are so hard to sell because mm-hmm. we don't have Spider-Man. They're indie. <laughs> they're new. They're, they're new. They're new, uh, they're new characters. They're often new creators that you that you don't have a track record with. It doesn't mean they're not good. They could be wonderful. They could be the next big star, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard, you know, when you look at that and you're like, you're looking at a catalog and it's got Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Batman, and Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl and all these colorful characters that, you know, well, they appeal to you because you know, you like them. Even, even some bad stories with them, I still enjoy, you know, but right. that's, that's a, obviously a massive advantage they have. Um, which isn't to say that writing solicitation for those is easy either. Cause you know, as somebody that used to edit, you know, books with characters that had multiple solicitations every month. Like when I was working on X-Men, like, a, you know, there's just like 12 X-Men comics every month. And I'm like reading those solicitations. I was like, how do I make any of these sound any different? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, uh, you know, that can be, that can, that's like the, that's like the, the complete opposite side of the spectrum. Like I'm trying to get you, you know, with indie books, it's like, I want you to focus on this one comic. This is the comic. It's going to be awesome. And I need, I need you to understand this is going to be awesome and want to buy it and go tell your retailer you want to buy it right. with, with X-Men. You know, it's like, I need you to understand why these are different from each other. I don't have to sell you X-Men. I assume if you're reading this, you like X-Men already, or you at least know what they are. So now I'm trying to tell you what's different about each of these X-Men. It's almost like what's different from each other. This is the one with Kitty Pride. This is the one with Nightcrawler. <laughs> this is the one with Zorn, you know, or whomever. 
can't you can't have an X-Men comic without Zorn. No, no. I mean, who who is going to be Zorn? Where's the big reveal? Yeah. So it's you know, they're 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 different. And again, that's like that's that's a good example of like knowing your audience. Like with the X-Men solicitation, like I who am I talking to? I'm talking to people in that catalog, right? That big that the previews diamond catalog, I'm talking to retailers and to people who are already pretty solidly knowledgeable at least about who the X-Men are and what they are. You know, if I'm putting that on the Marvel website that anybody that likes the movies and likes the toys goes to, that's different. That's a different audience. They're not the people that necessarily know the X-Men and know that there's 15 different titles and are, and they're not looking for a differentiation. They're looking for what's the coolest, newest Wolverine thing. Right. You know, and so again, it's knowing that audience, you know, that's, that is a, that level of a problem I would love to have uh, <laughs> as an independent publisher. Like there are too many people that know who Stud and the Bloodblade and know who Howling Snow are, Charlie Spot and Space Corps, but we're not quite there yet. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, I mean that's sort of the whole, the whole ball of wax. And you know what? No, nowhere have I worked either either on staff as an editor or whatnot, or as a creator, which which is a whole lot of other publishers as well. Have I have I found anywhere where where these things were really all that different? I wrote the first couple solicitations for the Crime Syndicate comic I was writing for DC, um, and I tried to I tried to just make sure there was something different in the solicitation and so like i had like a little a little thing about like you know this month's question you know it was sort of like based on earth three which is like a concept in that comic and you know that that was kind of fun was like you know who is your the earth three version of such and such or whatever Mm -hmm. you know it was just a, a little something you could add to that solicitation that hopefully just you know piqued somebody's interest or at least made it stand out a little bit for sure because it's it's hard. It's hard when you're working with a company that puts out, you know, 50 superhero titles to make any of them stand out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think for me, the, the rule of thumb with X-Men or Spider-Man is, is Chris Bishalo drawing it. OK, great. That, <laughs> yep, that's a good sales differentiation. Yeah, done. often it is the creator. No, it's I, I, I kid because I, I love his art. Yeah, no, I mean, but the, but yeah, I mean, I was actually working on um, I was working on X-Men when Chris was, was doing it, um, or at least part of the time when Chris was doing it. And, and we were in a big meeting about, you know, I think Spider-Man had gone to what, three times a month. Amazing Spider-Man was coming out three times a month. And that was like cutting right when that started, they needed a bunch of artists cause you got to put out, you know, you wanted each story arc to be by its own artist, which means you're doing like five story arcs at a time. Wow. Um, you know, and they were looking for somebody and, and Chris was, had said he was getting a little, a little tired with, with X-Men and, and I love Chris both as an artist and as a, as a human. So, you know, I did not want to lose Chris on X-Men, but like I'm sitting there in that meeting and I remember being like, man, Chris Bacallo would be great on Spider-Man. Like that's going to look amazing. So I threw the, I threw it out there and said, he might be open to this. <laughs> I appreciate it. that if you're going to you know, reach out to him and use him, that you throw me a bone and give me some good suggestions for who else could do X-Men. But, um, but you know, keeping keeping chris happy is a is a good thing um and also like i found like in that meeting i was like legitimately excited by the idea of chris who's got such a that wonderful sort of whimsical flavor to his art like oh he should absolutely be drawing spider-man like that'd be perfect for him um it was great too i loved it when he did spidey yeah for sure for sure well i think you know 
so much of any job is learning the the ins and outs of the different aspects and solicitation copy is is pretty key into understanding how to communicate because you get all the way to the finish line and then oh we're not quite at the finish line <laughs> we've made our comic but now we've got to get our comic out there so it's it's certainly a key skill well to- i can i can tell you <laughs> without a doubt that as hard as creating a a comic book is which it is it is difficult to do um, and to manage all of that and get it all done, like that's probably not even half the work. <laughs> and and like and take it from me because I, I have I've pretty much done it all at this point, right? Like at this point, I've created comics, I've managed comics, I've edited comics, I've I print comics through ONS Printing, the, the printing business that I run. Uh, you know, we market comics, we. So you get files prepped and ready to go to all these different places, you know, where they're going to, where they're going to go. And they, you know, the distribution, the shipping, the logistics of making sure that the right number of copies go to diamond, the right number of copies go to lunar, the right number of copies go to the warehouse for the web store, the right number of copies, like, I, and then try, and then hitting that pavement and doing all the marketing work and trying to get people to <laughs> buy these things, you know, uh, it's a just, it's, it doesn't end. And the thing with like a miniseries or something is like, like you're still marketing issue one when you start marketing issue two and you start marketing issue three. And it like, it's this, it's this rolling behemoth of a thing. And it's, it becomes very all consuming. It is, it's a long process. And there are very, very few people that are good at all of it. There are some, I'm not one of them. That's why I, <laughs> that's why I work with other people who are, who are stronger in some of these areas than me. Um, hopefully a lot, a lot stronger, and in a lot of areas, you know, I've got people that are stronger than me. You know, for me, my focus is on. I like the planning, like I like the publishing planning, and I like, you know, I love dealing with story and art. Uh, I love all that stuff, but, um, but yeah, and, and it's just, it's just, it's a lot. But it's, it's one of the reasons why. You know, one of the questions I, I hear a lot is why, why should I go through a publisher? I've got crowdfunding, and I'm like. Yeah, you do. Uh, and if you're up for it, like, go for it. I I would not try and convince you otherwise. But just remember, there's a lot. And having a publishing partner, and that's really how I look at publishing, is, is we get into partnerships with creators, which means we do some work. They do some work, but we work together. And hopefully, hopefully together, we're bigger than we would be apart, right? Right. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, I feel like I've digressed. <laughs> that, that is okay. Switching gears a little bit, uh, if you're listening to this before the uh, Saturday, July 31st uh, Master Seminar, you can still register for the Master Seminar with Philip Kennedy Johnson, which is Philip and Andy are going to talk about uh, taking your pitch to first issue script. So a lot more of that it can be so nuanced. It can be obviously not nuanced, uh, but pitching your comic Developing it into a synopsis, breaking it down. Oh yeah, writing the script. <laughs> there's there's stages, and they all swirl together. Uh, you know, in different ways depending on where you are in the process, how experienced you are, what you're doing. But you know, from knowing both you and Philip, I think it's going to be a great opportunity to obviously pick brains, but also get into the mechanics of how something goes from idea pitch. Think so that that's coming up. Uh, go to comics part experience, of the process. comicsexperience.com and you can uh, check it out and spend uh, a good portion of Saturday talking to Andy and Philip, which will be great. 
Yeah, really, it'll just be me complimenting on on his Superman <laughs> run, which I think has been great. On his what run? No, I stepped on it. What Super, Superman. Oh, great. Superman run. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. That's gonna be, and it's gonna be. He's also fun. Like, so he's just he's just really engaging. So it's not gonna be a slog. It'll be it'll be great. He's yeah. fantastic. And if you haven't listened to it, last episode, Philip talks about. Uh, kind of his origin story, but also uh, obviously about the seminar and, and what's changed for him over time. And it's it's a great conversation. And he talks about the alien movie that he's he's the least connected to, which uh, which is also fun. Which one was that? We I, I got him to digress at the end and we talked about the alien franchise. It is uh, number four resurrection. Mm, yeah. Just, no, that's fair. Just doesn't click for him, but he he very much is you know all in on the alien universe and yeah, uh, he's doing that. He's doing that comic now. Yeah, that's which is a great comic, and his his take on it's great. We we talked a, a bit about that, and it. Uh, I realized after after we recorded, I'll correct it now. I did see Alien Three in the theater. That was my first in theater Alien movie. It was Alien Three? Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the David. Yeah. The David Fincher one, where you're coming off of Alien and Aliens as a teenage boy going to the movie theater, is a little bit different. But uh, as as the years have gone on, I, I do I do like Alien Three. Yeah, I don't think Fincher does, but I I like <laughs> it. Yeah, he's like disowned it now, but uh, apparently there was a fair amount of interference. Sure. Uh, yeah, I love all three of those first the first three, but I'm with Philip. Resurrection just like it just doesn't doesn't connect with me, which I'm glad we talked about that. I do want to say one other thing. If you happen to be in the Washington, D.C. area and you're going to Awesome Con uh, August 20th, 21st, 22nd, uh, that will be my first pandemic show. I was going to say post-pandemic, but since we're still in it, uh, that'll be my first show. I'll be wearing a mask uh, while I'm on the show floor, but uh, I'll be around. I will have my own table. In Artist Alley, which I usually don't do that, but I'll be in Artist Alley at my own table. So you can and 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 sharing that table with fellow comic experience creator and published artist Ken Perry. Um, so very excited about that. Uh, and we'll have several panels while we're there on like breaking into comics and stuff like that. Excellent. And you can I'm sure go over to awesomecon.com and and see more. Uh, I assume so. I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, I've done that show before. Uh, I've never done it wearing a mask, but I've done that show before, and I I like it a lot. I love DC. I don't get to spend a whole lot of time seeing DC while I'm at that show, but um, but yeah, it's a really good show. And Left Field Media that puts it on, they're they're real. They seem to be real good good folks. They treat people well. They try to do everything they can to make sure that attendees are having a really good time and everybody's staying safe. So that's great. Um, it's awesome. Hyphen so yeah. con.com. I just quickly looked it oh, up to yeah, correct. Thank you. To correct uh, they do have a, they, they will be, I believe they will be having a mask, sort of a, a mask mandate, not sort of, I believe there's a mask mandate. You have to be wearing a mask in the show, which I think is good. We got this Delta variant thing, which is not, uh, which is, which is not good, but, uh, we're all going to try and stay safe and see if we can get our comics community humming again. Nice. And it's it's got a, a great lineup uh, of comics folks. So if you're in the D.C. area, you can go and obviously talk to and sit in on different panels and, and talk to different folks and see what they got going on. Yep. It's a, it's a great lineup, including a Mr. Philip Kennedy Johnson and friend of the show, Amy Chu, amongst many others. It's a... Mm-hmm. A very fun lineup. Somebody named William Shatner. <laughs> yeah, Shatner will be there. William Shatner and, and another 
another young upstart named Michael J. Fox. So some. You know, Shatner's very popular here in Kentucky. I don't know if you knew that. I I did not. Is it due to his horse riding? Yeah, it's a horse. It's a horse thing. I've seen in Lexington. There's this giant horse, uh, like compound thing and museum and all this sort of stuff. And there's a big movie about horses in Kentucky, and he narrates it. People love the Shatner around here. I have seen him compete in uh, Lexington, Virginia. He competed at the Virginia Horse Center many, many years ago. I saw him compete. So you've been to the lesser Lexington, I understand. Wow. Ouch. Shots shots fired to what I'm sure is the first Lexington in the United States, <laughs> not the second Lexington in the United States. This is this is developing into that. Uh, I, you know, here in Kentucky, we have the first Versailles. I, I did uh, not. And that, and that is what we call it. It might be spelled like Versailles, but it is called Versailles here. And it like it's like every time I hear somebody say that, it's like fingernails on chalkboard like (laughs) no that you killed a word it's dead yeah it's like introducing my wife that she's from the other virginia it uh (laughs) it still plays well comicsexperience.com has a roundup of everything going on with comics experience and uh there's a number of places you can go to see andy or one place you can go to see him in person and then catch up uh this coming week and the workshop is always open 24 7 and And cexpublishing.com for the for the publishing stuff is it is starting to come out it's sooner than later yeah but you can order direct from the website we'll we'll mail you your stuff and there are exclusives on the website there's a super dope uh, metal cover for stud number one there's a signature series so you can get your comic signed and all that stuff so yeah definitely check out the websites excellent I I may have been texting with uh, one of your upcoming published creators about what his plans were for uh, Space Corps if you was going to come come to my neck of the woods and do some signings. Great. It's, it's exciting stuff that different uh, audiences are able to discover different comics through through publishing. It's great. All right. Well, if you have a question, email info at comicsexperience.com. You can hear about it, uh, hear us talk about that on the show. And until next time, keep making comics. <laughs>